In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. This Sunday is the only time in three years in which we hear from the book of Nehemiah. And on top of that, poor Nehemiah is really only mentioned in passing in the excerpt. Ezra is the real main character of this eighth chapter. The Israelites have returned from exile in Babylon. They're now back in Jerusalem. And they gather on the first day of the seventh month, which, as we're told in the book of Leviticus, is a holy day with Sabbath rest and trumpet blast. It was kind of like Jewish New Year's Day. When the people gather on this New Year's Day, they don't watch the Rose Bowl parade, but rather tell Ezra to go get the book of the law and start reading from it. That's where our excerpt begins. As Ezra reads from the book of Moses, the people listen attentively. We're told that Ezra read plainly from the book, interpreting it so that all could understand. Therefore, it's unlikely that Ezra would have gone line for line without stopping in his reading. Rather, he probably read portions of the work and then stopped to give further explanation. Sort of like if you sit down with Grandpa and pour over an old photo album. You know you're going to get the stories and the explanation behind the events. Well, that's likely what Ezra is doing. As the people hear Ezra's words, they begin to weep. Why? Probably because, as they've returned from exile, they realize how much they haven't kept God's law. But as you'll remember, since this is New Year's Day, a holy day, Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Levites remind people, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad and do not weep. We're sticking with Paul's first letter to the Corinthians for our second reading, and the excerpt picks up with the very next verse of where we left off last weekend. The issue hasn't changed, of course. Some of the Christians in Corinth seem to be valuing some of the gifts of the Spirit over others, most especially the gift of tongues. So now, Paul is going to use a metaphor to further prove his point that each gift of the Spirit has value. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. If there's something a little bit risque, we could say, about this passage from St. Paul. You see, there's this section where Paul says, those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we surround with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater propriety. A number of scholars believe that here, St. Paul is talking about, well, uh, let's say our private parts. What do I mean? Although he doesn't identify just what body part Paul is talking about, and that may be intentional, some believe that Paul is saying that just as people cover up and hide their private parts because they're not considered as honorable as some other parts, he shows how they are all the more necessary, because without them, the human race wouldn't continue. In just the same way, those gifts that maybe the Corinthians are considering not honorable, for Paul, are all the more honorable. Again, while we can't say that this is what Paul means for sure, it would certainly drive his point home about valuing all the parts of the body. Our gospel passage is actually a combination of two passages from Luke. The first half is the very beginning of Luke's gospel, the first four verses. And it's addressed to a character named Most Excellent Theophilus. Who is Most Excellent Theophilus? Well, as you've heard me say so many times before, we just don't know for sure. Yet here are three theories of just who Theophilus was. One, a patron who paid Luke to put together the writing. 
two, a high-ranking official, which most excellent indicates, or three, he didn't physically exist at all, but rather was a symbolic character, since Theophilus means lover of God. After hearing the first four verses of Luke's gospel, we jump ahead then to the middle of chapter four. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Jesus stands up in the synagogue and is handed a scroll from Isaiah. Presumably, he picks out the passage from Isaiah himself, and when he does, He says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he has anointed him. This word for anointed in Greek is from the same word for Christ. So, in a sense, it's as if Jesus is saying that the Lord has Christed him. What Jesus quotes from the scroll is a combination of two sections of Isaiah, a verse from chapter 61 and then a verse from chapter 58. When he finishes, he sits down, not because he's done, but rather because sitting was seen as the posture of a teacher. As he teaches, Jesus' very first word of public ministry in Luke's gospel is today, indicating that his time has come. And here, it's like Jesus is a new president making his first State of the Union address. He sets the course for how the story will unfold as he mentions bringing sight to the blind and liberty to the captives. So that's it. That's your Sunday set up for this third Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.